Welcome to The Transit. Um, we're in a series in James, and my name is Peter McCarthy. I am the student ministry director here, and uh, it's my privilege to bring to you the word today. Let's, let's open our Bibles to James chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we've provided Bibles through the center aisle here. Uh, just ask someone to pass you a Bible, and we can, we can read this together. All right, so we're going to be in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19 and going through the end, verse 27. All right, let's read it together. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his own doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here, and I pray that you would come upon the word. I pray that you would come upon me. I pray that you would come upon us, that you would reveal Jesus to us, that you would... Um, Give us a posture to receive the implanted word of God. Lord, that it would be a miracle in our hearts that the truth of God would come in and be punched into good soil. And if there's not good soil, Lord, in our hearts, in our souls, I pray that you would cultivate it, that you would come in in your mercy, God, and, and prepare our hearts Lord, to receive the word, and after the word's planted, Lord, nurture the word in us. God, I, I pray that you would come and build your church. I pray that you would show us today that we're not the only church meeting. Lord, that we're part of a global bride that Jesus loves. And I pray today that we would see that identity Lord, that we would see our unique expression as the local church. God, to gather, to hear your word, to rejoice in you, and to love Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So today we're going to be talking about being doers of the word and a little bit of introduction. This is where it's going is that James is going to challenge us to stop being doers of the flesh and to unwind, to take on a posture 
of receiving, to receive the word of God and let the word of God do its work in us, to ruminate in us, to, um, to grow, to bloom, to grow up into healthy fruit and produce good works, to produce action, to produce an evidence of faith. And that's, that's really where James goes as a whole. And so that's an overview. In my preparation, you know, I always, um, I come to the word and I ask the Holy Spirit, how do you want me to approach this? And this time, I, I need to say this up front so that you understand how I'm digging through this. Uh, just a little bit of, of what I did in the background to cultivate this. I looked at this passage three times and said, I don't know what this is saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so if I don't know what it's saying, I don't know how to bring it, right? And for the first time in forever, thank you, Frozen. Thank you so much for just that tagline. That was, that's just phenomenal. Um, for the first time, I said, you know what? I need to look at this like in the Greek, like word for word, and just be like, what does this say? And so I'm not going to bring to you Greek words, but I want you to know what I did is I, I, I dug in and I looked up, you can go to blueletterbible.com and, and see the Greek and then you can see it word for word translated. So I went through each word and said, what does this mean? And then what's the root, root word? And I had my big fat Greek wedding in the background, of course, you know, I'm like, I'm like wow, it really is all Greek. Um, and and I pulled out, and the picture started to form a little bit more. It's more clear. And I want to encourage you, if I can do that, you can do it. Um, not, not just look at the Greek, but to dig deeper into the Word of God. And I think what laid before me was cornerstones, right? So, so fuller pictures, just kind of pulling back the parameters a little bit and saying, oh, this is what that says. Boom, building block, boom building block, and, and sometimes when we encounter the word of God, we need to dig deeper and ask God, Lord, what is this saying? Let's, let's go back and do um, some digging. And so this is the procured golden diamond-esque stuff that I've pulled from <laughs> the, the digging. Um, and this is the word of God. So verse 19 and, and verse 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I asked, okay, what does this really mean? And I want to restate it in kind of a a full picture type of way. There's an imperative in verse 19. Be skilled at understanding this, my brothers, found in agape. Meaning, church, we're a people, our current status is we're found in the unconditional love of God. That's who we are. That's our current status. Let each person making up the collection of individuals. So we've got a personal responsibility and a corporate impact, a mindset of I have a responsibility to receive 
But as a body, if we're receiving together, then there's going to be greater impact. Move quickly towards being endowed with the faculties of hearing. So discover what it looks like to be ready to hear. And move quickly towards that is the picture there. Considering what is being said in order to understand that which is communicated. And then get this, it says, be inactive towards utterance. So literally you're activating this disposition of receiving and hearing and you're deactivating the impulse to speak. Deactivate, literally deactivate all the gears that put speaking into motion. So, So not just the action itself, but all that would produce speaking. So the, have you ever been in one of those conversations, right? And, you know, maybe one person's talking more than the other, or you're talking more. And then the other person finally gets to start talking. And as soon as they say this golden nugget, you're just like, oh, yeah. Now I have 20 more things to say. And, and there's always that like impulse in us that as soon as we hear something to like react to it. Okay, maybe all the introverts would like, yeah, bro, no. No, we just don't even care right now. But extroverts and external processors, like we know, like you hear something and be like, dude, I just tweeted about that. No biggie, I'm an expert. Deactivate the disposition and character that stirs the temper and agitation of the soul. And so there's, there's layers here. There's an order of process. I want to I wanna lay this groundwork for you. This is the word of God. We want to understand this. And so it's, it's my heart to just, to just really kind of lay this out in a teaching style so that preaching can happen, so that the word of God can be lifted up. First, there's an imperative to be skilled at understanding, not just hearing words. Second, our identity is being found in the agape of God. That's who we are. We need to know that. As a church, corporately and individually, we are a people found in the unconditional love of God. This is the platform by which James is addressing these people. Third, we have personal responsibility and corporate impact. I've already said that. Fourth, we are to move quickly towards acquiring all that it takes to hear what is being said. Find out how to be a listener and to receive what's being said. And I want to say this up front that he's instructing us on how to receive the word of God. And so it's not just for this passage, but it's for all the word of God that he's equipping us and showing us how to be postured to receive when God wants to speak, to have a disposition of ready to receive, ready to listen. Fifth, we're to consider what's being said in order to understand that which is communicated. Sixth, 
to deactivate all the gears that put speaking into motion, not just the speaking itself, but the internal gears that turn the impulse to assert. So deactivating that. Seventh, we are, once we deactivate the gears of speaking, then we can address the disposition and character of anger, the agitated soul. So beneath a lot of the activity of who we are, most times there's pain. There's sin. Verse 20 will show us that. So James is addressing the fruit so that he can address the root. The Holy Spirit wants to bring about the fruit of the Spirit, but before he does, he wants to cut off the bad fruit and address seeds that have brought bad fruit. See, fruit comes from the inside out, but character is addressed from the outside in. And so what he's doing in order to get at the soul of who we are, he's starting to tackle the peripheral things to get to the heart of things. And in verse 20, we see the aim of why this is important. The natural agitation of the soul in man definitely does not do business with the virtue of God or anything that God would approve of. The nature of man and the nature of God are complete opposites. Literally, what's being said here is God does not operate on the level that we operate. All of mankind, your sinful soul, my sinful soul, because of the curse, because of sin, because of the way we see ourselves and see God and see life or don't see God, because we're blinded by sin, we don't operate on the same wavelength as God. That's where this is going. And so God doesn't approve of the way we go about our lives, the natural outflow of who we are. He doesn't. He's so distinctly different. He's holy. He doesn't mess with sin. Don't be confused. You cannot be sinful man and produce anything that God would approve of on your own. The picture he's painting is that the virtue of God, the righteousness of God, his character, his intrinsic value, we should spend time understanding that. And when we see it in comparison to ourselves, we'll see we're just so different. But there's hope. Verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And I'm going to restate it again. Restated, we lay aside wickedness. On account of laying aside all activity, of making the soul filthy, literally like we are active in making our souls polluted. Our natural disposition as mankind is to gravitate towards the things that dilute our soul so that we can't even see the holy God. 
That's how we operate. That's the factory inside of us. That's, those are the cogs working inside our soul. That's where this goes. That's what this factory produces is wickedness. We have abundant residue of depravity. That's, that's what the original language says. A decisive wicked will. <laughs> Meaning everything within us is just stained, so stained with sin, human nature. And so we are to lay hold of the word. Remember, a disposition of, I'm ready to receive God. I'm ready to slow down the gears of trying to create in this busy DC world, trying to make more money, trying to get my kids to soccer practice, trying to do this, do that. (sighs) Jesus comes in. The word of God comes in. In mildness of disposition and gentleness of spirit, actively, this is where you begin to be active, actively take hold of the logos, the utterance of God, the instructive words of God, which has the power and ability of its own virtue to save the essence of your life, your soul, to save your soul, which is the vital force that is your life, and to preserve you from danger and destruction. Do you see this here? Do you see this here? The picture is we're moving, we're moving, we're moving towards sin, we're producing sin, and James is saying, man, there's salvation that can happen, but it's got to take a fully functional shift where you stop and and the miracle worker comes in and Jesus comes in and the word of God comes in and the word of life comes in and begins to penetrate into the center of who you are and change the system. Because it's not just actions that need to change. It's not just attitudes that need to change. It's people deep down that need to change And what James is bringing to us today is saying that the word of God changes you. So deeply, so deeply, ontologically, who you are in your inner person, the word of God has the power to shift your DNA. It has the power and ability of its own virtue to save the essence of your life, your soul, the vital force of you. So we lay aside the old self, not just the actions, not just the bad actions, not just the bad deeds. We don't become Christians and stop doing drugs and alcohol and start working at charities and nonprofits in the DC area. That's not that's not the fundamental shift that takes place when Jesus comes into your life. You change. You change. So we lay this aside. 
and we sit at the feet of Jesus. And I'll, I'll make a comparison here in a moment. The antidote for evil works is not good works, but the good worker. Notice that to put off sinful deeds, to put off our deceptive activity, to put off the, the factory churning out wickedness, we don't start doing good things. We go and visit the good worker who can perform salvation in us, who can change it, who can rework the system, and only Jesus can do that. The point is, when you stop your activity and receive the activity of the self-sustained, all-sustaining God, you will be saved. It's what he does. And he does it for broken, sinful people. <laughs> I, think, I think part of the thing we're going to have to fight through right now is actually believing that we need this. We don't, we don't just need a sermon about this. We need a lifestyle about this. Of when I go home today, is Netflix going to satisfy me or is Jesus going to satisfy me? Because we need this seed over and over and over and over again. And we'll see that in the rest of our text. So what does it look like to receive the Logos? In John 1, we all know this. John 1, verse 14, and then verses 16 and 18. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Just condescension, just humility. He's with the Father, his perfect harmony. And he came, became flesh. He took on identity like us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, like a seed just packed, endowed with the DNA of grace and truth. It's who he is. Out of the fullness, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Just keeps bringing it. He brings in a new covenant, new grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. Jesus has made him known. So Jesus is the living Logos. When we're talking about receiving the implanted word of God, we don't just receive ESV English language translations. We do, but we receive words that point us to Jesus and made alive that came straight from the mouth of God and points us to Jesus. And the Bible's saying that the word became flesh. In other words, Jesus is the point of all the Bible. <laughs> and, and, and when the word of God takes root in our hearts, what happens is, Worship and relationship for Jesus 
happens. He made himself available to be the object of our attention. So notice, I mean, th- this, is, this is the gospel here. He didn't just say, I need you to change. He said, I'm going to humble myself and give myself to you so that I can penetrate the deepest places of your sinful soul and rescue you out of sin and bring you into redemption and bring you into grace. And this is what we're called to receive. This is the implanted word of God. This is what we're called to receive, the person of Jesus revealed to us in Scripture. He did not have to do that. And now we have seen his glory and the nature of his glory. He's revealing all of who he is to us. Have you ever been, or have anyone here like a sports fan? Maybe not, but like two people. Like, yeah, this is DC. Um, (laughs) No, we're $9 beer fans. Um, Like, like, oh, okay. Um, Okay, has anyone seen the movie The Rookie? You know, the baseball movie. And there's this scene where, you know, the high school baseball team, their science or math teacher gets to go to the pros Right, and he gets drafted by or, or signed onto the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and then he's going to play in Texas. And so he he comes to Arlington, Texas, to play against the Rangers. And the high school guys go and see him play, and you can see them walking into the stadium for the first time. So they're walking into Arlington Ballpark, and they're just like wow, this is amazing. Like something they'd always wanted to see. And when they finally saw it, they just lit up. That's a human faculty. We do that about so many things. We have desires to see things. And when we actually see it, we light up. There's this expression of, I can't believe I'm actually here. And when we begin to investigate Jesus and see Jesus and dig deep and search for Jesus and realize that he's offered himself to us and he's showed up, for people that have spent time desiring to see him, he maximizes that capacity to be like, wow, I'm finally seeing him. And one day we will see him face to face. So he ushered in new grace and he came to us and here's the gospel. He didn't wait for us to be worthy, church. (laughs) He didn't wait for us to be worthy. Maybe right now some of us in our hearts are waiting for ourselves to get right, to be worthy so that we can see Jesus clearly and Jesus wants to walk into your room. Walk up into your space. I remember, oh man, I remember when, you know, Jeff was like preaching the gospel. I had first moved here like in January. He came over to my house in February 
And, you know, I'm like, okay, this gospel thing's cool. Jeff's kind of cool. And he came over to my house, and he's like, I want to see inside your bedroom. And I'm like, go, oh, go. Lord of mercy, just come now. Save me. Jesus. Just opens up the doors. Like the stone was rolled away. He came into my mess. And we sat down and we had a meal outside the bedroom. And I was just like, it is painful to be known for who we are. We try to hide stuff. We try to hide the dirt. We try to hide what our natural disposition has, has produced, right? It's not, it's not good. It's yucky. It's very, very yucky. But Jesus does not wait for us to be worthy. He put his worthiness on display to an unworthy people The point was not for us to be consumed with our unworthiness, but to be consumed with his worthiness. He changes our perspective. When he comes in the room, he captures our attention. He gives us a new focus. And once we have a new focus, things begin to change. He closed the gap between our character and God's character by coming to us. The thing that was on a different wavelength than us. God's holiness here, us over here, not even considering who he is. He came and made himself known to us so that we could know him. Think about that. It takes outside activity for us to know about something. It, it requires their action. We wouldn't, we wouldn't know to come to life until someone made us and there was outside action beyond our control. By faith in his work, we are saved. He came, lived a perfect life, was placed on the cross, faced the wrath of the Father because our sin was placed on him and the wrath of God was poured out upon him with our sin on Jesus so that when we believe in him, we could receive his righteousness. There's an exchange. He takes our sin. We take his righteousness. We have to believe in him. It's his work that produces that in us so that we can see him, can believe him. This is central. We need to know this. To receive this is to receive the implanted word of God. And I want to I drill on this for a moment. When we consider Christian works, we can either be like Martha, who works to earn favor with the king, or you can be like Mary and experience the favor of watching God work. It's the difference between watching four-year-old basketball and LeBron James play. It's the difference between... (laughs) That that, that was a terrible analogy. Um, But sometimes we're so enthralled with us doing things for God that we forget 
that what God wants to do is actually work in us and work. And when we peel back and say, man, the majesty with which God works is amazing. We should be enthralled with how God produces life in us. So sit at his feet, slow down the inner man, fix your eyes on the God who never ceases to work on your behalf. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Restated, just as the logos became flesh, nurture into existence the implanted word of God in you so as to prove the obedience that the word requires. There's a, there's a seed there, right? And it comes in. And if it actually comes in, it's going to produce a very specific fruit. Apple seeds, always apples. Pear seeds, always pears. When the word of God comes in you, always fruit like Jesus. Clear implications. The word of God does produce life in us every time. The word of God is alive. Oh, I want to I go back here. Part of this translation is, do not forsake the action that the revolutions of God's word naturally produce, literally revolutions, just boom, explosions. It's like this, Matthew 13, verses three through nine. I'm not sure if we have this on the screen. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him here. The seed always grows into life. Faith always grows into expression. The problem is not with the seed. The problem is with the soil. And the soil is our hearts. In God's providence, we're working through the book of James. That's, that's, that's kind of funny. In God's providence, we're working through the book of James, talking about works. And so I want to ask you, how is the condition of your soul? Does it receive the word of God well? How is the posture of your soul towards the word of God? Do you go to receive to win the battle of your soul, you will need to go home and make war to make room for the word of God. To suffocate the seeds of the world and to make room for God's word. And there's just, there's further clarity here. Literally, the picture is that 
what we do decisively is when the word of God comes in, um, it does bring life. And we either literally choose to abort it, to suffocate it and decide, you will not have life in me. Or we passively choke it out by letting other things come and take residence in our hearts. And so what this passage is getting at is that anyone who receives the word of God, the word of God does come in and it's going to bring life and it's going to grow and it's going to produce working out like Jesus, demonstrating like Jesus. And if that's not happening, we've made a very intentional decision to make sure that does not happen. And I can give you illustrations of how that's true in my life. Verse 23, um, and I'll do that in a moment. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So there's a negative command, verses 23 and 24. If anyone constantly hears the word of God and aborts it within him, literally does not nurture it into life, he is a man who perceives the life in him and intentionally neglects the quality of life growing in him positive, but the one who stoops down and bends over to look at ultimate virtue integrity and integrity, to look at the word of God, to look at Jesus, to consistently be there, to get intimate with looking at the picture of God in the word of God, as he remains there to remain alive, affirming a posture of not becoming a forgetful hearer, right? So he's growing into a posture of not being a forgetful hearer because he's there. He's hearing it every day. He will exist, this is what the word says, in happiness as he takes on the enterprise of making, authoring, and producing. The word of God stirs revolutions of because there's been creation in me, now there's creation rising out of me and I can serve people. And I can love Jesus. The point is, you only receive life from the word when you linger there. Here's really kind of an underlying theme of James. Faith always produces works and we always live what we believe. The question is, where is our focus? Where are our affections? Who are we becoming like? What kind of works are we producing? Because people that love college football have faith in works. People that love their job have faith in works. People that love their families have faith in works. And if you love Jesus, your humanity, the way you were created, will grow into a love for something that you will begin to work for that. That's how that's how that goes. Sometimes, I know in DC, we stay 
late at work because our bosses love work and they make us. But honestly, if we're really honest with ourselves, we give time to the things we love. And it's like this. We give our, this is human nature 101, we give our affections to that which we give our attention to. We give our attention to something, our heart follows, our affections grow. And as our affections grow, our character changes. We begin to look like, right? We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. That which we behold, we become like. And out of our character change, we produce actions. And so church, if we're going to look like Jesus, we need to look at Jesus. And it's not a quick process. You need to be okay with sitting in the soil of the grace of Jesus to come for us. The humble disposition of receiving the implanted word of God to bloom in you, to grow in you to take residence in you. And over time, your natural expressions will become loving, serving, working for the king. We're almost done. Worship team, if you want to if you want to come up. Verse 26. If anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world, restated. If anyone supposes that he exists to fear God by crying aloud, but does not restrain his tongue, then he cheats his heart and is crying aloud and his crying aloud to God is rendered void and serves him no purpose. Why all this activity for God if you're not actually doing the thing that loving God would actually produce? So in the church, sometimes there's, just look closely at yourself and also discern, are we trying to do activity for God that isn't really produced by lingering with God? Or have we spent so much time with God that there's this closeness that out of the abundance and overflow of spending time with Jesus, there's a heart full of just giving and laying ourselves out for him. Pure and unsoiled worship that is acceptable to God and near, close in proximity to the Father exists as this, to look upon those who are constant state of being in need. People that are close to the living God in relationship with him, join him in his activity. God cares about the people that really need him. There's a constant state for widows, orphans, for homeless people, for people in our city, for people that can't afford to live here, for people that are in constant pain. 
And on that canvas, God wants to paint his grace and he wants to do it through his church. (laughs) And so really it's a matter of find the canvas and paint the grace of God in your city, in your neighborhood, in your family, because that's what Jesus wants to do. So Jesus said to them, John 5, 19 and 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you can marvel. See, it's because The son's in such close proximity just all the time to the father. He sees what he's doing. He shares a heart for what he's doing. And because he loves the father and has relationship, he joins him in what he's doing. And I want to remind us that our God is active, that our God is saving people, that our God is bringing the gospel into the world, that our God is revealing Jesus to people. And we can participate in that as a church. We should participate in that as a church. And we should ask God to change our hearts, to change the faculty of who we are. There is no greater joy or work in this life than to make the work of Jesus known by loving the people around us. See, he became flesh. And as we love Jesus and, and know him, we begin to become flesh. The word in us becoming flesh through us again. That's what faith does. It rises up. It creates life so that our love for Jesus turns into looking like Jesus. And it points people back to Jesus. So what God wants to do, what Christians are, are many Christs. Not that we save people, but we point people towards the Savior by looking like him. Let us get close to God so that we enjoy doing what he's doing. Church, let's be a church that lives what we believe. Let's be a church that acts on the word. Let's be a church that loves the word. Let's be a church that directs our attention away from the things that steal our attention from Jesus and look at Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, become like Jesus. And as we become like Jesus in change, we begin to churn out the evidence of our faith by, by serving and loving the people in broken need and pointing them to the King. That's who we are. That's who we're called to be.